Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl. Today, our guest on the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast is none other than Heather Creekmore. We are so excited to have her share about biblical body image and the way out of the comparison trap. Heather Creekmore writes and speaks hope to thousands of women each week, inspiring them to stop comparing and start living. Her first book, Compared to Who, encourages women to uncover the spiritual root of body image issues and find freedom. Before we jump into our conversation with Heather, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you to see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good. Okay, good morning and welcome, Heather. We're so excited you're here with us. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be with you too. So we want to hear all about... Uh, your God story and your food story, and I know they're going to intersect. So just start us wherever um, wherever you feel led to start. Yeah. So I was I, I grew up in a Christian home. You know, my God story is one that I used to believe was very vanilla, <laughs> for lack of a better term, because I said the sinner's prayer probably before I was old enough to tie my shoes. I, you know, I I knew I knew God, I knew Jesus. Um, but in some ways that felt separate from my food story and and really more specifically my body image story. I guess I, guess I would say, of course, food is is tightly intertwined with that. But I remember I was in about third grade and um, I remember a day looking in the mirror and I was wearing these pink pleather pants. I write about this in my book. Okay. Pleather. Like, I don't think they even use that word anymore. It's like vegan leather now, which sounds so much better. But you know, these are fake leather pants, but they were pink. And it was a big deal that I talked to my mom into getting these for me. And I remember looking at my legs in pink pants and thinking, wow, pink pants kind of make my legs look bigger. And so what I did was I went to school that day and I compared my leg size to the leg size of all the other little girls in my class. And I decided, you know what? I think my legs are a little bigger. And so that's a thought that was planted into my head that day and has remained with me. Um, You know, it's still a thought I fight today, right? I mean, I've gained a ton of victory over the last decade, but that's, that's still my, my default. My legs are big. Um, And so that was third, that was third grade-ish. Uh, By middle school, I was dieting. My mom was a dieter, and so I learned from the best. Um, I was doing Slim Fast. I was following her on Weight Watchers. Um, if she was doing something more extreme, like a, um, like a cleanse kind of fast, I don't think we called them cleanses back then, but, you know, I remember drinking the lemon juice squeezed in water with a tablespoon of maple syrup 
um, you know, do that for two days at a time, that kind of thing. Um, and, and so I was that I was all in. Like that's the way women who had to change their bodies lived. Now, that was what I believed. Um, by high school, I was getting better at not eating. Uh, so I would try to go all day without eating. And then I would get home at night and I would be just, you know, starving. And I would eat everything in sight. And I would eat dinner regularly with my family. And so they really didn't know, um, you know, the depths uh, I was going to to try to not eat. Um, but honestly, I would go to bed feeling like I had failed because I couldn't make it all day without eating. Uh, by the time I got to college, uh, I loved the food at college. Uh, it was great to finally be free uh, from from you know my my family of origin. <laughs> And, and, oh, my word, the food at my college was good. And everything in college revolved, socially revolved around food. And um, and so I quickly, I'm an overachiever. So instead of just gaining the freshman 15, I went ahead and gained the freshman 25. And, um, and so that started for me a, a, a pattern of going to school and eating, gaining weight, going home and fasting to lose the weight. Uh, so then by my sophomore year of college, I lost my period. And um, and and still at that point, I mean, I think now everyone is a little bit more educated about eating disorders and the different ways they can look. But this was the early 90s. And so I wasn't anorexic and I wasn't bulimic, though I tried to throw up. I couldn't make myself throw up. And really at the time I was in a... Um, I was in a dorm. I, w I didn't have a private bathroom. And, and I vividly remember being in that public bathroom, trying to throw up, thinking, yeah, someone's going to hear me. Like, that's probably like, I just, I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, and, and so in a way that public bathroom may have saved me from, from bulimia. Um, but you know, my, my story is just one of constantly wanting to change my body. I'd like to say that, you know, it ended when I got out of college, but it didn't. Um, in fact, when I got out of college and got my first job in Washington, DC, that's when I first really discovered exercise. I, I was never a super coordinated kid, um, but I played a little field hockey in high school and in college, I would, you know, go jog around the track, you know, do do those things. But I wasn't really serious about exercise, and I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew I needed to burn calories, um, and that was the objective. Like, however many like calories I ate that day, I needed to burn calories to make that um, a better <laughs> – I guess, fraction, right? Um, and, and so, but I got out of college and I discovered exercise and I decided one day at the gym, I was just looking around and I was like, you know, these people with fitness instructor on their shirt, these people that are in front of those classes, leading class, those people are free, right? They don't worry about their body. I mean, look at them. Like they're, they're free. And, and I remember consciously deciding, you know, if I could just be as in shape as one of those people, then I would be free. And so this is where my food story kind of turned to an exercise story, although food was still very much a part. Um, I still felt an obsession with food. I think from years of restriction, um, I never really felt 
completely comfortable with food. There was always good foods and there were bad foods. Um, but as I got more into exercise, I did have more freedom with food. And, and so there was a sweet spot there for several years where I actually did feel a little bit more in control, right? Because I was exercising so much. Because at the end of the day, my, my ultimate objection, objective rather was to make sure that I kept the body size I wanted. And so anyway, so exercise was just another way I tried to solve my food issue, I guess you'd say. And I don't know, do you want me to keep going? Or <laughs> you want me to stop there? I'm just wondering, um, I know you mentioned the 90s and uh, mm-hmm. not having a diagnosed eating disorder, but I'm wondering if you had any sense of connection to that or relation to that in, as you were experiencing it. Did you identify with that? Did you recognize that it was a problem? No, I, I very much believed that this is how every woman thought. I, I thought I was normal. Mm-hmm. I, you know, because every woman I knew, well, let, let me rephrase that. Every woman that I talked to about these things, which wasn't a large group of women, but you know, my college roommate, my mom, my grandmother, my aunt, these are the ways that these women related to food. These are the ways that they talked about it. These were the things that they said out loud about, well, oh, I'm not going to be able to eat that, or, oh, I can't eat that because I ate that yesterday, or I need to go run so I can burn that off. Like this was just the normal the normal way that they related to food. And so I assumed that it was normal. I, I had no, I, I did, I would have told you that someone who was anorexic or bulimic was extreme, but I really didn't know anyone like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it, it, it was so much, um, so much more hidden, I would say, than maybe it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, that if that was something someone was struggling with, I, I really wouldn't have known about it. Yeah. You wouldn't have recognized it. Mm-mm. Well, and I'm thinking about, you know, you grew up in a Christian home. You were you were learning about Jesus and the freedom in that. And, and simultaneously, you were learning dieting is normal and hating your body is normal. Right. And that's just a part of a part of life. So it sounds like even through college, you weren't connecting the two. It, they no, were they very were very separate parts of your life. Absolutely very separate. It, the only possible connection may have been that, you know, God wanted us to look good. Not that I would have necessarily told you it in those exact words, but there was this understanding, you know, like I remember looking at my pastor's wife and thinking, oh, she's beautiful. And there was this understanding we had to look nice at church, you know, because best back in the day when we dressed up for church, right? There weren't very many churches where you wore jeans on Sunday, (laughs) right? And so, so my understanding was somehow that God wanted me to look good, and maybe part of looking good was I needed to have a certain body type. And it sounds ridiculous to say it out loud, right? I mean, no one told me that specifically, but it was very much there. It was it was part of my drive. Yeah, yeah. A lot of us had that same understanding. Yeah, different stories for it. It's like, how did we all get to the same wrong conclusion? It's so interesting. Yeah, and I think today it's even more complicated because. It, it your body size and everything is now so wrapped up in your health mm-hmm. and morality and you know it's your job to be healthy and right. that that compounds it even more right god expects us to take care of our bodies and to right. be healthy and when you're looking at body size as the definition of healthy we're in for a really big 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 mess absolutely 
Totally agree with that. Heather, you said something earlier about that's just how women who had to change their bodies lived. And it was the Mm -hmm. women who had to change their bodies, Mm -hmm. which could have just been women. (laughs) This conversation is going. I'm and none of us can put our finger on exactly where this came from. And yet it was everywhere. So what was the thought or experience or whatever it was that the Lord used to draw you out of this, I have to change my body mindset. When, when did you start realizing that that was not? Uh, yeah. So that was, that was my mid thirties really. It took that long. <laughs> um, and my fourth child. Uh, so, so really, you know, part of the journey that I went on was I did become a fitness instructor. And so God had to show me firsthand that becoming a fitness instructor wouldn't solve it. And I remember you guys standing in front of a kickboxing class, my first one, and I was in great shape. I mean, I didn't feel like I was in great shape. Like I wouldn't have told you I looked good at the time, but I look at pictures from then. I'm like, oh my word, who is that person? Um, and so I was in great shape, but I remember standing in front of that class and, and looking at the front row and being like, oh, she's, she's in better shape than I am. And then, oh, that woman in the back, she's a much better high kick. And just thinking through like all the ways the people that were in my class were better qualified than I was to be up there. A little bit of imposter syndrome, right? Like I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough to be teaching this class. And it's an aerobics class, right? (laughs) But, you know, like, I just don't deserve this. Um, and so so God showed me through that season that that wasn't that didn't solve it. That didn't fix it. And then I was still single. So I didn't meet my husband until I was thirty one. Well, no, we met at thirty. We got married at thirty one. um and and so I believed all through my twenties that if I could just get the right body and the right look, then I would get married. And so obviously, the problem through my twenties was that I didn't have the right body or the right look. And that's why I wasn't married yet. And so, um and and so, I mean, we're talking, you know, my weight was just fluctuating. and I I was super thin, you know, wearing a size, very small size at at one point, you know, and then it would kind of go back up to where I'm like more my happy spot. And I I was all over the place, right? So for me to make that kind of assessment (laughs) on the whole, my whole 20s would mean like, wait a second here, like this this is not really very scientific in the way you're, (laughs) you're, you're assessing that, but that's not the way we work, right? So when I met my husband, um, I actually met him on eHarmony. And so for some of the body image issues, there's a little bit of safety in that, right? Like, you know, I didn't, we didn't meet body to body, if you will, in the flesh. Uh, first, we had a little bit of communication first. And then, um, and then, then we met. And later I realized after we had that communication that he hadn't actually even seen a picture of me. I had a picture up there, but he was willing to meet me without even seeing a picture of me. And so as someone with body image issues, I was like, okay, good. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I have a chance with this one. Right. And, um, and, and so we met and we married and, and I really thought he was going to fix it all. I thought now that I had the stamp of approval from this man, I was going to be fine. And instead, everything kind of got worse. Um, I really believed once I had a child, everything would be fine because I thought I used so much brain space to think about like my food and my exercise and my body and what I was going to do to change my body. I thought having a child would take up that brain space in a healthy way and I would finally be free just because I would be distracted. Um, but that didn't help at all. So so to get back to your question, what, what made the change? It was four kids in realizing, okay, now I have four. I have 
four little people. We had four kids in less than five years, and I don't have any twins. Um, So I had four, four and under, Mm -hmm. and I was still stuck. I was still, and you know, I had different issues with breastfeeding and foods that I had to cut out, which was awesome in a way, because when you are a dieter, it's like, oh, someone's telling me I can diet. I I have to do this for the health of my child. Oh, fantastic. I'll live on applesauce and it'll all be justified, right? And I mean, so that's what I was doing. I had some postpartum depression in there because I was living on applesauce. And so all these things, just, it, I was a mess. I was just an internal a mess. And my husband was preparing for ministry. So we had moved to Dallas, Texas, so we could go to Dallas Theological Seminary. And he knew he was going to go plant a church. And, you know, we were, I was headed on the pastor's wife track. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he was listening to lots of sermons in his free time. And this was before anyone had AirPods, right? And so, you know, he would, he would just put it on in the house and walk around listening to it. So that meant I got to listen to it too. And I heard him listening to a sermon by Tim Keller one day. And Tim Keller was talking about modern day idols. And y'all, I was raised in church, but I had no idea about modern day idols. Like that was just mind blowing to me. And I remember feeling like God whispered, Heather, that's your problem. Mm. You've, you've made your body an idol. And it was like the light bulb went on, right? Because I knew I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew I was God's masterpiece. I knew that God looked at the heart and not on the outside. I could rattle off all those verses for you. And I you know, knew I was a daughter of the king and all those things. And those things would hype me up for a solid 12 hours, you know, maybe a whole day. <laughs> and then I'd be like, man... Like, I want to be fearfully and wonderfully made like she's fearfully and wonderfully made. Or if I'm a masterpiece, like I'm in the lower gallery, not like the, <laughs> not the gallery that people are lined up to go to, right? Like, and, and so I was still struggling and all that. And, and that idolatry concept just changed everything for me. And, and then God in his grace was able to show me all these other ways that I was chasing idols. And because, you know, it's not just body image. There's all these other layers underneath it. Um, and, and so God was able to kind of take me on a completely different journey to finding freedom in a way that I just didn't even know was possible. I love that. Yeah. I, waking up to the idol issue um, and shout out <laughs> you're here. I'm going to shout it. No. <laughs> shout out to you, Heather. Um, compared to who, uh, ladies, if this is resonating for you and you haven't already read that book, you need to read it yesterday. <laughs> well, it's like when Heather, when I, I've ne- you know, I've never, I, maybe it's in the book. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember ever hearing the story of your husband listening to that sermon. And that's, mm-hmm hearing God whisper that to you, like my eyes teared up because I remember reading your book and like, I was already into intuitive eating. I was a dietitian. I was teaching people intuitive eating and I was like, whoa, (laughs) like I, I didn't, I never used that word and putting that word on it just changed it for me. And that's really when I switched to, well, everything. And I had like this, I had this like freedom from dieting and eat disordered eating and exercise, but 
now I was just like making that freedom my worth, right? Like I was doing that really well and that was making me worthy. And so when I read your book, it like called that out for me. And then I was like, holy moly, like this is what freedom is. Mm -hmm. Like now I really like, this is freedom. And that really like changed my whole trajectory. That's why we're sitting here today. Like that's when I decided I can't do this without God. Like I can't teach this to people without this piece. So compared to who Heather Creek. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have me crying here. So I was hoping you would keep talking so I could compose myself. Just so, 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 so good. And, and I remember reading it being like, oh, dang, she's saying it like she's (laughs) not, she's saying it. And it, it was, it's so well received. And I mean, Aaron and I have passed that on to many, 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 many people. And I think it's a, it's a life changer. So Mm -hmm. praise God for whispering that to you. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. Amen. I really found a lot of freedom in the name, naming it, naming it Mm. as an idol, because then I don't know, for whatever reason, I think that's the way of the Lord made me. My spiritual gifting is faith. And I just went, I'm at, like, I am disobedient. Like, I don't want to be that. And Mm. the fear of the Lord, uh, which I had never really understood before finally was like, okay, like I get what that means. And it was easy to move away from the idolatry once I could name it as idolatry. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was still dissatisfied and all of the things with that. It's like, I mean, you're still wrestling over here, but that smaller and certainly less eternally important struggle uh, yeah. just pales in comparison when you catch yourself in the idolatry. So can yeah. you unpack um what what do you actually mean? So for anybody who isn't familiar with your book or with uh, Tim Keller's sermons on and teachings on idolatry, like what are we actually saying when we're talking about a modern day idol? What does that mean? Yeah. So a modern day idol is anything we look to, and I'm going to use this term, but then I'm going to pa- unpack it a little bit more. It's anything we look to to save us, right? And so, you know, if you're raising the church, right? You know, like, well, Jesus saves. <laughs> That's the answer. Jesus saves, right? But but practically, I was living as a pagan in my belief that if I had a certain body, that that would save me. Not that I thought that was going to take me to heaven, right? But again, I dichotomized things. I had my God and Jesus answer and my ticket to heaven. That was over here on the left side. On the right side was my body image issues. And what I really needed for them was to be picked out of the crowd a makeover show and have them, you know, completely like, you know, change everything about me so I would look completely different. And that would be a different kind of salvation. That would be a salvation that would bring me joy and peace and and rest. And I want to go back to talking about rest too, but that would bring me all the things that my heart truly desired here on this earth. And so what happens with 
with modern day idolatry is, so it can be body image, like I said, where it's like, if I just get this look, then I will be free, right? That's really what it is. Um, but it can be, you know, if I just get this man, right? Like we can make marriage an idol, or if I can just have a marriage that's like this, you know, then I will be free and satisfied on things. If I could just have children, if I could just have this house, if I could just have this job, this title, this degree, there's all these different things in our lives. And, and, you know, honestly, and health is a big one right now. There's a huge health idol out there, which I think is is actually some sort of food idol and body image idol disguised as a health idol. I mean, Satan is tricky. Um, yep. But we can we can idolize things that are good things, right? Like no one's going to say health is a bad thing, right? But if you make it an idol, if you make it something that will save you, that will define you, that will give you value, that will give you worth, and that will... So I'll go, go back to rest now. That will give you rest, right? Because so what... When I was writing my second book, The Burden of Better, what God revealed to me just like as I was writing the last chapter was this whole concept of rest in a way that I had never thought about it before. But if you think about why does someone go on a diet? They go on a diet because they want to rest, right? No one goes on a diet thinking that they'll still be on the diet six years from now. You go on a diet because you convince yourself that in six weeks or six months or whatever your goal is, then you will be able to, ah, I've arrived. Now I can rest, right? And we know it's not true. It's not true with dieting, right? Because what happens when you rest after a diet? You eat all the things because you've been depriving yourself, right? And so then, then you're on the then you're on the roller coaster, right? But with exercise, we can convince ourselves if I just work out really hard for a couple months, then I can rest. Well, no, that doesn't work that way. Exercise makes you keep going to maintain. Um, even with my household chores, you guys, I I can psych myself into oh I'm. I'm done for the day. Okay. I should probably, I'll go ahead and do what I was going to do tomorrow. I'll get that done ahead of time because then I'll be able to rest longer tomorrow. But then tomorrow comes and I still don't rest. Well, I'll go ahead and get ahead again. Right. And so I, but I really think we have this strong desire for rest. We are craving rest just as much as we are craving approval and love and acceptance. We are craving rest. And I think part of the body image struggle and, and even our struggle with food as, as it relates to that is we think if we could just get it settled, then we could rest. Or I, I've worked with clients and known women over the years that are just like, it's just not fair because she doesn't have to worry about this, right? That's how they look at other people. She doesn't have to worry about this. Why should I have to worry about this? And really what they're saying in that is she can rest around food. Why can't I? And and then, you know, and then looking at, at scripture, right? Jesus is like, oh, yay, ho, 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 over there. Like, just look, look here. Okay, um, yeah, I give you rest. <laughs> my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me for rest, not to keto for rest. And, and you know, it's so it's it's a whole big, big bundle of stuff there. I so resonate with that. I would the finish line that just keeps moving with right. the food and exercise. Uh, we've described that before as like the proverbial treadmill. It's like once you're right. on, <laughs> you're not, right. you're not getting to nowhere. Yep. <laughs> so, but how, like, how do we spiritually and physically get off of that treadmill? Like where, what, what do we need to do <laughs> to get yeah. this rest? Okay. So I think the best news ever is that, this thing is an idol, which is sin, okay? And so, like, no one claps, like, yay, sin, we found sin. 
Awesome. Oh, I'm so happy that that woman you had on the podcast was telling us about sin. Like, that's great news. Like, do not turn off the show right now. Just keep listening for another second. I will show you how it's good news. So if, if body image issues, if our struggles in this arena are just normal girl problems, which is what I believe they were for like, let's say 37 years of my life, okay, then there is no solution, right? Then I have this big old bag, suitcase of a purse is how I like to picture it. You know, like the ginormous, like weighs 50 pounds purse that I have to carry around with me for the rest of my life because I am female, right? Or because I'm a woman, I'm going to have normal girl problems. I'm always going to worry about how I look and, you know, kind of Eeyore, like, oh, woe is me, right? But if we can identify a sin issue, right? If we can see oh, wait a second here. That's an idol. Oh, wait a second here. That's a false God vying for my attention. Oh, wait a second here. Sin separates us. And I know for me, as soon as I was able to see the sin and and then do what I'm going to suggest you do next, but as soon as that happened, I felt like this physical block between me and God just be removed. And like I said, I I had known God all my life. Right. But there was a block there that I didn't even know. And then when I took action, and so the action I would say you take is once you see the idol and you know that it's sin, then you do what the Bible tells you to do with sin. You confess it. Right. And it's not like, it's not some big complicated thing. Right. John tells it if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You just confess it. You say, God, I'm sorry. I've been serving this false idol. I've been believing that if I looked a certain way, or ate all the right things so I could look a certain way, then I would be saved. And I was looking to that to save me and, and trying to make this world a place that I would thrive and find joy and peace and all those things that you offer here on in this world, <laughs> right? I've been trying to make this world my home and I've been forgetting the truth that this world is not my home right? And that you have something far better for me and, and that you have saved me <laughs> for a purpose. And, and so just kind of confessing that, surrendering all that is definitely step one, right? And, and I am very, very specific when I talk to women. In fact, even women that have like gone through my stuff, they've read my book. Like when I do coaching with women, like session three, we do a confession exercise and we kind of pretend we're at an AA meeting and we all go around and we confess. I, I am, you know, I struggle with a body image idol. I know this is sin. I mean, I make them do it. Even though we've been talking about it, <laughs> for months, I make him do it because this is the one that most of us like to skip. It's like, okay, now just give me the practical tips. Like, what do I need to look at on Instagram and what do I need to eat? You know, I mean, I've spoken to groups of women. <laughs> You guys, I mean, you know, COVID slowed all that down a little bit, but I'd go speak and I'd give this like heartfelt, like impassioned, like plea for like seeing the body image idol and have someone at the end of it raise their hands. So what do you eat? <laughs> no, that's not what this is about. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we get stuck there unless we take the action mm-hmm. in confessing. And then after that... And, and, and I say after that, but like truth is like this little idol thing is going to pop up, you know, you might find your body image idol and it's like, oh, wait a second here. Is that an approval idol hiding right there beside it? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, oh, wait, control. Are you there too? Ugh. 
Control. I you were you were kind of hidden, but now I see you. Okay, now I got to surrender the idol of control. And I mean, so this might be a constant thing. And in and, and quite frankly, I think the practice of daily surrendering, <laughs> taking up your cross daily, every day, like. Ugh. I surrender what I look like to you today, God, <laughs> right? Like you can still use me. You have a purpose for me. I surrender. You know, I was, I was talking to my, I have a coaching group that meets on Monday nights. And so we were talking last night and I was like, you know, and this, I left them with this and I felt kind of bad afterwards. But I was like, listen, y'all, the martyrs give up their lives for Jesus. You can give up your reflection, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, it's a hard truth. That's a zinger. <laughs> I was like, oh, look, look, we're out of time. <laughs> but I was like, sorry to leave you with that. But but if you think about it, like we should be, we are asked to surrender it all, right? So I don't get the option of holding on to that number on the scale and serving the God that's on my bathroom floor. I don't get the option of surrendering to the God of the mirror, right? Like I, I have to let go of all of those things and surrender and surrender to Christ. This episode is brought to you by our online course, Ditch the Diet Masterclass. If you're ready to break free from diet culture and being a slave to the scale, it's time to ditch the diet and reclaim your body and your life for God's purpose. Learn more and sign up at intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash online courses. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash online courses. I think it needs to be said that bluntly <laughs> and with that amount of zing because you can't tiptoe around a sin issue. Right. Right. Yeah. If you want it to be correct anyway. Right. I mean, well, you can tiptoe around it your whole life and have the issue your whole life. Or right. you can call it what it is and confront it and get some healing. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a new, newish, uh, Catholic and, uh, the confession portion of my healing, which was actually, you know, going to the sacrament of reconciliation and mm -hmm. physically giving a confession, which was my first ever one that was, oh my goodness, <laughs> that was an experience. I cannot tell you, uh, I think coming from no confession background to a, mm -hmm. that formal of an experiential encounter with God confession, mm -hmm. like ladies hear me. It is healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is so much more healing and restorative than you can ever imagine. And you don't need to be afraid of confessing. Like it's, right. it is such a good thing. And it really is step one. Like right. we don't even need to talk about anything else with food and body in comparison. If you can't do this, you're not going to move forward. Right. I, th I think that there's this, I know like in my life, there's been times where like, I'm, I know I should be confessing this thing. Like, I know I should be surrendering this and talking to you. I know this isn't working. I know there's sin here. I know. And I'm kind of holding back or afraid to confess it because I don't know how to change it. Right. And if I confess it to you and call it sin and say that it's wrong and that I want to change, but I don't have like a plan. 
to change it going forward, then what? Because I think I need to have the plan and follow the steps and, and do it correctly. And like, I don't want to come to you and confess until I know what I'm going to do about it. This making myself and my control and not, you know, so for me, that's something I want to point out. Like you don't need a plan. You don't need to know what you're going to do next. You don't need to know how you're going to fix this. You don't like just give it to him, surrender it to him and, and, and let him work. And you might surrender it to him. I have surrendered this idolatry to him (laughs) a thousand times because I get rid of it in one area Mm -hmm. and then I pick something else up and make it my idol, you know? So yeah. Oh, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to say another thing for me that, I think for a few years, I kind of hung in this, like, God, I know I am loved and worthy and accepted. And I know I'm all these things in Christ. And I believe that wholeheartedly. There is no doubt in my mind. And I want the world to like me. I want to be worthy and loved by the world too. Um, And that took you know, that's exactly what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. If the martyrs can surrender their life, I can surrender someone on the street liking my appearance or, right. you know, what whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a, that's a big thing too. We have this knowledge that we're loved and accepted and everything in Christ. And we have to get to the point where like, that's enough. Right. Well, yeah. So let me, let me take what you just said one, one little like inch further. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think, I think we all think like that, right? Like I want others to approve of me. I want others to love me. I want the world to accept me. Right. But I actually, as I've been working with women for the last couple of years, I actually don't think that's where we're stuck. Right. Because I work with women and I'm like, well, so is your husband upset with the way you look? No, no. He loves me no matter what I look like. I'm like, okay. Your kid's upset? No. Are you having a hard time getting a job? No. So are the people like saying mean things to you, sending you nasty letters about how you look? No. Like, okay, so whose acceptance are we really talking about? We're actually really talking about your acceptance of you, right? Mm -hmm. Like we we want to push it off to other people because that sounds so much more altruistic. (laughs) Like, I want to do this for all my fans out there, right? But no, other people are okay with the way we look. (laughs) It's it's we that aren't okay with the way we look, right? And so, so when you go there... Get ready for some more ouchies, right? But when you go there, it's like, ooh, okay. So here's what's really happening. I have a list of what makes Heather acceptable to Heather, okay? Now, God has his list of what makes Heather acceptable to him, right? And I am made acceptable because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's not a very long list, right? Um, but then there's Heather's list, okay? I am talking about myself in the third person. Sorry, that's odd. Okay, but but the, Heather's list means Heather should weigh this amount, and Heather's children should look like this, and Heather's family should appear like this at church, and Heather's home should always look like this. And so there's the Heather list, 
right? And so really where I get stuck is in this idol of self and me accepting myself and approving of myself. And, and you know, that sounds so commonly spoken of in our culture, right? Like you don't have to be on Instagram for more than five minutes before you find like all that matters is if you love you and self-acceptance is the way and all this stuff. But it's like, no, my friends, like I don't care what you think of you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's what God thinks of you that matters. And you're going to kind of have to let go of what you think of you, right? Because what you are saying is, my opinion of me is more important yes. than God's opinion of me. And, you know, it's so I have. And for kids, like I said, and and I have one of my children when they were in their, I'm gonna say like eight, nine, ten range, constantly like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, mom, but the way it really is is this. The way it really is, and you don't see the whole thing. I see, and and I was constantly, like, dude, you are eight years old. You don't know. You have never had a job. And and constantly having this fight where I'm like, seriously, eight-year-old with pride issues? Come on. You you have no clue. Like, I am obviously the superior one here. I know more. And, but that's what we do with God all the time, right? Like, we are the eight-year-old like, yeah, God, I see what you say about me being accepted through Jesus, but <laughs> I know the way it really works is you want me to weigh this amount and look like this, and then you will be satisfied. <clears throat> I mean, I will be satisfied and you will be satisfied, right? And we get stuck there indefinitely. <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so true. I think recognizing, oh, oh my goodness, all the stuff you were just saying about self too. Mm-hmm. I think I want I think I want to go here with you, Heather, because I love what okay. you have to say about this. The self-acceptance thing for me is kind of, lining up with something else we see on a lot on, on Instagram, um, the body love mm-hmm. or body positivity. <laughs> also, you know, self-love would be the same kind of thing where right. I'm using those things interchangeably in right. um, a cultural kind of way. And I think you're saying it, you're coming at it another way um, for with what we say about how body love is not the point. Like, right. Our goal here is not to be in love with ourselves and tick all our own boxes and think we're the, gr- the greatest. Like that is so right. missing the point. And self in this culture is such a problem. And um, I would love to hear your thoughts on the the self-love yeah. uh, cultural issue we're all facing down right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had this fight with Christians, right? Where they're like, no, the Bible tells you you have to love yourself. And and I mean, there are Christian songs on Christian radio that like I hear the verse and I'm like, Err! Where it's like, you know, you have to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. You know, I'm not capturing it adequately, but but where I hear that mantra and it's like, no, 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 no. If you really dig into what that passage in Matthew means, there is no way to interpret it other than God already assumes that we think of ourselves first, right? Uh, And the push is think about your neighbor as much as you already think about yourself, right? And then, I mean, because if you look at Ephesians where some of those same terms are used, where where um, Paul tells husbands to love their wives as they love themselves, you know that Paul is not saying, dude, if you hate yourself, beat your wife up, right? Like that is not the interpretation, right? He's saying, put self aside and love her as much as you 
already love and think about yourself first. So, so anyway, just from, from a biblical standpoint, for those who are still like, no, nope, Bible preaches self-love, I don't think it does. I think if you dig into those passages where those, those thoughts are derived from, it does not preach that. Does the Bible assume that we have self-love? Yes. And does the Bible in 1 Timothy say that in the last days, men will be lovers of self and make that a negative thing? Yes, it also does that. And so I think that's what we're seeing now is that we are lovers of self, right? It's self-love over everything else. And then that has translated into body love. And body love gets, it gets messy, right? And I have people on my show and they want to use that term. And I'm like, oh, well, let's not use that term. I don't like, how do you mean that? You know? And, and so it gets, it gets me to sticky spots because some people very sincerely and genuinely mean like body love just means taking care of my body. Like I love my body by taking care of it. Like, okay, I understand how you got there, but that's not what culture means. So don't use their language, right? Body positivity, that does not mean just not being negative about your body. Body positivity equals pride. It means taking pride in your body no matter what. It means taking pictures of your stretch marks and putting them on Instagram because you have so much pride in your body. That's what body positivity has become, as, as is interpreted as in our culture culture. And so I absolutely tell people I am not a body positivity fan. Oh, you want to be negative? No, (laughs) I don't think the way out of sin is pride. I think that's more sin that keeps us more stuck. And so, yes, I run far away from the self-love, body love, all of that. I think we need to love Jesus, not cellulite. I don't think there's anything in my Bible that tells me I have to love pieces of my body that are signs that I live in a sinful, broken world that's going to someday fade away, right? I just don't think that's necessary. I think people spend a lot of time trying to love cellulite, and they should have been loving their neighbors or God more instead, and they would have forgotten about the cellulite if they had done that. Um, And then, well, oh, go ahead. No, just, yes. I mean, that's, Aaron and I are always saying it's not body love that we're working towards here. It's neutrality. Right. We just want to feel neutral about our bodies, right? Like, I don't love the stretch marks or the whatever, like, but I recognize like, it's not that important. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, so like in Christian circles, right. We talk about, um, I hear it and there's like diet programs that are named this, like the take care of your temple or take back your temple or whatever. And I'm not saying those programs are, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about those programs. Okay. But, but we get this concept of like, focus on the temple, right? Like, you know, oh, well, you got a responsibility to take care of your temple. But if you think about like a temple, like our modern day equivalent, like a church building, right? And we, we are body, soul, spirit. I'm not going to make a, like a, a Gnostic argument that we are separate from our bodies, nothing like that. Right. But think about the church building the temple per se is useful because we use it for worship right it is it is useful in our practice of worship and i think it's the same with our bodies right but where we get messed up is is that we want people to worship our temple right mm-hmm. not use our temple for worship but worship our temple i think about what i'm going to wear to church i change clothes a hundred times because when i go into church i'm hoping someone's going to be like boy did you see heather she looked good today 
right? And uh, so I want worship for myself <laughs> in that, right? And and then I'm deviating from what God has said my purpose on this earth here is to reflect Him, to bring glory and honor and worship to Him. So I'm doing really exactly what Satan did before the fall, right? When Satan got kicked out of heaven for saying, hey, I want people to worship me, right? And, and I kind of, you know, I'm doing the same thing. Like, hey, look at me. I want your worship too, just a little. I know God gets it all. I just want a little smidge. You know, just a little smidge of appreciation for how much hard work I put into getting ready for today, right? And and again, not that there's anything wrong with telling people they look nice or trying to look nice, none of those things. But when our heart, it's really all about what's going on in our heart, not even really what's going on physically. When our heart desires that worship for ourselves, right, then we've crossed that line into pride and idolatry and, and that self-love just keeps us stuck. Totally agree. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The the thing that's been convicting for me lately with that and just trying to stay connected with that, it's like the, the part where you're like just a smidge. I'm like, oh, I so do that. <laughs> it's like, no, all glory and honor is yours. Right, like right. all of it. Am I right. trying to take a smidge? <laughs> mm-hmm. Am I giving it where it doesn't go as well rather than just trying to take it? It's like that right. has been... Um, if you can ask it as like a self-reflection, like whose glory is this for? Right. Like, mm-hmm. what is this about? And, that, and that's just another way of saying, uh, you know, the heart issue as a self-examination kind of question. And it's just mind blowing, I think, for women. So I just want you to say it again. Uh, it's a heart issue. Right. Like not a, a body issue. issue. Right. <laughs> right. And that's and that's why, I mean, we ignore we ignore the signs of that in our culture, right? When we want to believe this idol. And so like I, I use the illustration of you're checking out a Target and you see the women on the magazine covers and you focus on their pictures, right? You're like, oh, she looks really good. Oh, wow. She, oh, she looks good. Oh, if only I could look like that. And then you grab, you know, all the candy from like beside the magazines because you're like, oh, I feel horrible. I can never look like that, right? But, <clears throat> but looking at that picture alone does not tell the whole story, right? Because if you read the headlines around her, so many times you will read, you know, her struggle with addiction, what she did after he cheated, you know, how she's rebuilt her life, how she almost ended it all. Like, if you really look into the lives of these people with the perfect bodies, you can see that the perfect body has not given them all the things the perfect body is promising you. I mean, I was having a conversation uh, in our small group on Sunday night. Someone brought up J-Lo and A-Rod, and I guess they're on the outs. I don't know. I do not follow celebrity media at all anymore. But I was – but uh, so this was like news to me. I'm like, oh, really? That's so such a shocker. Um, but, but then I was thinking about it and thinking about like J-Lo at the Super Bowl. Was that just like two years ago, right? Where it's like, oh, wow, she's so hot and she's 50 and she still looks so awesome. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, like she, she looks great. She looks fantastic. But why do we want to look fantastic ultimately, right? Like, like most of us want it because we want love, right? We crave unconditional love and acceptance. That's what our motivation is, right? And she has struggled relationally. She has the body, but she cannot find a man to to fulfill her, right? And and then, you know, beyond that, I'm sure there's other issues with, you know, 
wanting worship and those kinds of things. But just, I, I just look at her with so much empathy because I feel like I lived that in my 20s, trying to be hot to get everyone's acceptance and approval and then get the man. And, and you know, I praise God that he drew me out of that in my mid-30s. But, but I, I don't look at her with envy. I look at her with, with just uh, uh, like, oh, <laughs> your heart is showing us so much and you're stuck there. And, and so, so I guess back to the, the body, it's about the heart, right? It, this idol is lying to you, telling you life will be better once you get this thing. And it's just not true. You know, I, I, the other encouraging thing I've been saying lately is that if you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, this earth is the only hell you're going to ever experience. Right. Oh, I love that. So free yourself from trying to make it heaven. You know, you got eternity in heaven. <laughs> trying to make this place heaven is just going to stress you out because <laughs> it's not going to work ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Heather. Well, we've already sung the praises of compared to who, but I want to also throw in burden of better was an equal gut punch. <laughs> and it took me a little bit deeper on that journey. So obviously both books, um, you know, we, we recommend them all the time to people. So I would love it if you could just kind of share where everybody can connect with you and those books yeah. and all of your amazing uh, body image and comparison um, ministry services you do. Yeah, so I'm at comparedtowho.me, and my podcast is called Compared to Who. Um, I'm compared to who on socials, but I've been disengaging a little bit from socials because I feel like my crowd has a problem with comparison, and so encouraging them to be on social media more to connect with me is probably not the right thing to do. Um, so, um, but I am I am on socials as Compared to Who, and um, I have a fun. Fun might not be the right word. I don't know. I think it's fun. Uh, I, I have a body image awareness quiz on there, but then I also have this 30-minute walking download. So it's kind of, I used to be a fitness instructor, like I said. It's kind of a guided walk where I talk you through, and I use the term, losing the weight of comparison. So we talk through, like, who are you envying, and what are you holding on to, and and we do that while walking. So it's an exercise, and it's a heart exercise and a body exercise all in one, and that's a free download on my site at compared to who.me. Oh, I love that. It's so powerful. We, we can combine the heart, uh, heart movement and body movement at the same time. That's amazing. What a great, uh, what a great thing. I, I got to check that out. I think yeah. I, I think I didn't quite realize that was a download. I I need, I'm, I can't wait to do that, Heather. Awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> okay. So we have some questions we like to do, uh, for okay. fun at the end. So Shar, you want to hit her with those? Yeah. So the question we must ask everyone is coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Ooh, so coffee, but I might be a disappointment here because I'm decaf. Right. Because I spent so many years dieting, messing up my body. I have adrenal issues, and now I can't handle a caffeine. <laughs> so there's a little shout out for intuitive eating. Um, but yes, coffee with um, with cream that is flavored and delicious and seasonal. Um, sometimes with a little protein powder. Depends on the mood I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, it's 65 and sunny out, and you're driving down a back road. Are the windows down, or do you have the air on? Oh, I have the air on. I'm horrible. <laughs> <laughs> my, my husband has a Jeep Wrangler, and I don't like to ride in it. <laughs> like, 
can't see when my hair is in my face. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, what is your favorite day of the week and why? Hmm. I think Friday. And I don't even work full time, so I don't even know if there's a good reason <laughs> for that. I, You know, we have some family routines that Friday night normally looks like family time. And so I, I enjoy that. And and yeah. I think, you know, just like, okay, I can breathe. It's a weekend again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, are you a Mac or a PC person? Oh, once you go Mac, you never go back. <laughs> Aaron's not with us. Aaron's oh, Aaron. <laughs> Um, okay. Something it can be in your life or someone else's life or the media, something negative recently that you've seen God use for good. Hmm. Goodness. Well, uh, I would say COVID, Mm -hmm. right? No one's going to argue that that was positive, Mm -hmm. but you know, our church has been really focusing on how will you emerge from from mm-hmm. COVID. And so I do feel like I am seeing around me people have a greater awareness of, oh, we were way too busy before. Oh, we were doing things that weren't meaningful before with our time. And, and you know, and even for us personally, just kind of reevaluating, like, what, where does all our time go? We had, mm-hmm. you know, when we got back all that time, all of a sudden, it, it caused you to remember like, oh, huh, yeah, this is... <laughs> This is a much more relaxed way to live. I see God redeeming that in, in, you know, in our family and in, in the lives around us. Yeah, for sure. Same here. Okay. This one might take you a second, but what was your favorite movie when you were like 16-ish? Oh, so I'm going to be a weirdo here. Um, I've always loved the movie My Fair Lady. Okay. So not like a 80s, but I I grew up in a very conservative church environment. And so, you know, Prince's Bride may be like close in there. Like that was the slumber party movie. But but my personal favorite, I probably saw it as a freshman in high school was My Fair Lady. And but you know, it ties into my body image story. I couldn't have told you at the time. But you know, Pygmalion, the story, the, the book that My Fair Lady is based on, is a story about a woman changing from being a peasant to being a lady. Yeah. And so that story resonated with me even as a teenager. It was like, I want a transformation. I want to meet a Henry Higgins who's gonna make, uh, <laughs> who's gonna be able to pass me off as a as a uh, I don't know, a fair lady or whatever. Okay. Um so yeah. Oh, yes. So telling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Love it. All right, Heather, would you do us the honor of closing us in prayer? Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to share the good news that you have sent your son to die so we can be free from all this extra burden that our culture and our world puts on us, God. And I just pray right now for any woman listening who just feels stuck. She feels weighed down. She's confused about her food. She's been following 
trying to follow all the rules, do all the right things, and just been frustrated and on a roller coaster up and down, just never able to get off. God, I pray for her. God, I pray that you will work in her heart, that you will show her any hidden issues that maybe she's never even considered or knew were there, God, that you will bring her to a place of understanding that you do offer true freedom, that changing her body or changing her eating or any of those things can't can't offer a freedom that compares anything to the freedom that you offer us god i just i pray that for her for her life i pray that you would use us mightily to help women be set free, God, that every story you transform would be a story, a testimony of your saving work from diet culture and from all of this body image junk that we've lived under for so long, God, that you would you would make us your disciples first and foremost, but that you would also use us to see other women set free in this arena. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. We hope you found ways to apply the gospel to your life and especially to your relationship with food and body. If this episode encouraged you, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It really does help people connect with this message so they can learn more about faith-based intuitive eating and find encouragement too. This podcast was produced by Oshoot Productions and made possible by the grace of God and the support of women like you. Thank you for being a part of the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women community. We'll see you in the next episode.